Welcome to the Coming Home Well podcast, the show that educates, supports, and advocates for the veteran community. Your host, Dr. Tyler Piron, U.S. Army retired, will bring you exciting conversations with amazing guests about resources, research, and military history, all geared to helping our warriors to come home well. Here's your host, Dr. Tyler Piron. Welcome back to Coming Home Well. I'm your host, Dr. Tyler Piron, and we are doing something very interesting today, something we haven't done in a long time. We are introducing a new podcast, 2200 Taps with Pam Berrigan, or Pam Berrigan, because I, you know, sometimes can roll my R, sometimes I can't. And we are so excited to have Pam coming to join us. She's going to be part of the lineup at Coming Home Well. Uh, I call it the Empire uh, Without Money. Or, or power, but yeah, the empire of coming home well. So she's coming to join us and she has a lot of content herself. Like last I checked, it was like 54 episodes. So she's been doing this a while. She's not just beginning. Uh, and I'm super excited to learn more about her and what she's all about. And I've heard a lot of things, but I want you guys to hear all about her so you can go check it out and, and know that she's part of the coming home well family. Welcome to the show, Pam. Hey there. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm it, it's so weird being on the side of the mic. But, I was uh, just going to say that. It it is weird of being weird. on the other side getting interviewed instead, I'm isn't it? I was nervous. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so let's talk about 2200 taps. It's it's yeah. a lot of episodes. You've been doing this a while. Tell us about you and how you got this started. Man, how much time we got? We got time. <laughs> well, a little backstory. I was the blessing of an unplanned teenage pregnancy. Mom was 16. Dad was 18. Dad wasn't really around. Um, and if you listen to my podcast, go to episode three, hint, hint, to hear all about that chaos, madness, and how I was able to overcome that and how my mom kept us both from becoming a statistic. Um, She's my rock star. Shout out, mom. Uh, you know, so I grew up in Corpus Christi, Texas, home of Selena. And music was a big thing. And part of my childhood was my guitar that my biological dad actually that can't bash him because I've forgiven him. And as much of a monster as he is in my world, I've come to the like, I can love him for introducing me to the one thing that saved my life. And that was part of the whole branding and trying to find out what my brand was when I took a music business class when I went to school for music. So it's like, whoa, how do you love somebody who can give you the biggest blessing you could ever get or receive, you know? So, um, you know, grew up in Corpus, got a scholarship to play D1 softball at UL Lafayette uh, umpteen 20 some years ago uh, and did two years there and I failed out of college. And I say that because I just I hated school and I ended up back in Corpus and I needed to grow up. And in high school, I was like, you know, I want to join the Coast Guard. You see the helicopters flying down there. And I did. Somehow I did it. And tomorrow, well, this is pre-recorded. So February 24th of this year marks my 20-year reunion or anniversary since I enlisted. Oh, wow. Yeah. So by the time y'all listen to this, I will have already celebrated, you know, a very kind of personal moment for me to hopefully close a chapter of the man, I wasn't able to finish. I could be retired by now. All the stuff we tell ourselves when we don't retire and we, oh, yeah. we're not able to stay in for whatever reason. 
So part of the growth is just celebrating it and putting that to bed. So, you know, I, I enlisted in 03 and February of 03, did 11 years, nine active, two reserves. And in 2013, I was pretty much done with everything, uh, not by choice. And I lost my identity. I got hurt and there were some other factors involved. I, I just couldn't do it anymore. And when I, I lost myself, I also had issues at home and with my best friend. And there was just a lot to it. And it was it hurt so bad on top of my injuries that it took five shots of crown all night and I took a knife to my uniform. I cut my name tapes out in front of my best friend. And I bet they were freaking out. I, well, we've talked. I mean, there, there's more to that, right? Uh, so that happened. The knife broke and stabbed me in my ankle. And I, till this day, I still have the scar on my ankle to remember like what a low place, right? Checked myself in a hospital that night, just drunk out of my absolute ever loving mind. Had to talk to a social worker and it was just a nightmare. You know, that was part of me spiraling and that's all leading up to 2200 taps. So I was in Chicago at the time, had a falling out with my best friend after that. Didn't talk to her for over a year. I became, I lost my job. Didn't go to school. I was homeless for like a whopping three weeks, but I was homeless. Uh, the VSO, uh, veteran service off, uh, offices gave me a voucher for a hotel for two weeks, went, spent one night in there. And I just got the F out like the next day. Cause between probably hookers and blowing with God knows what else, nasty ass rooms. I'm like, it was oh, worse in the, in the hotel than, than not having a place at all. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm just going to live in my car. And I did as much as I could crack the window kind of sucks when it starts to rain, you get pelted in the head. I had to pee one night. I didn't have a restroom, so I peed in a cup. Poured. I mean, like, it was just like, this is intense, dude. And I ended up um, going to Starbucks Starbucks every day, looking for jobs, looking for jobs. And the barista, she's like, well, what, you're here every day. What's going on? And I told her my situation. She's like, I'm going to talk to my husband. See, we can't take you until you can get back on your feet. And she did. She would give me free, like, the biggest iced teas you can get from Starbucks. She'd just give them to me. And then they took me in for a few months. And at the time I was waiting for my disability with the VA. And at this point it was already like two years. Cause I, I was able to file a little earlier. Cause it's the VA and we know how long things take. Yeah. So I was like waiting and waiting and waiting. And I remember sitting at church one day and I'm like, you know what God? Cause I was like, I'm never moving back to Texas unless I got my disability check. When I get my disability check, I'll do it. So I'm like testing him in my faith. And I'm like, I still got time, right? Dude, I got my disability check the following week with back pay. That must have been a years. nice check. For two years. Well, yeah, with my Especially ass. Especially when, like, when you got nothing. I got nothing. So anything, something. And I had actually picked up a part-time job, too, at a, at a rec center to take shower. This was before I was living with her. So I'm like, we got to figure this shit out. And uh, I got my check, and I'm like, well, I guess I'm moving back to Texas. So long story short, moved back to Texas, losing jobs more than I'm finding them. I am getting fired. I'm like, what the hell is my problem? Like, am I that bad? Like, what is my deal? And finally, I had the opportunity to, I was in Dallas, moved to Austin. I was in Austin, losing my job in my HR. She's like, hey, I'm going to hang on. Like, it wasn't by choice. Like, they didn't even agree with this. Again, long story, right? 
She's like, I'm going to try to stretch out the time you're supposed to leave for another few months. If you go find a job. Cause she knew like I got screwed over bad. Um, I'm like, okay, I'm going back to school for music. So I'm kind of working here in Austin, but I'm driving to Dallas to this music school. I'm like, sweet. I go to orientation while I still have the job in Austin. I'm like, and she's covering for me. Like, it was a great, like, she helped me out. So I came to Dallas for music school and part of uh, the music production school I was going to, I had to take music business. I had to take two semesters in music business. And I got to give a shout out to my uh, then instructor, who's now a really dear friend of mine, uh, Crystal Givens. She's like, she's dangerous in the music business, let me tell you. Um, she's done work it's that for like good, Kanye. huh? She's done work for Connie and some other artists that some big names. And I'm just like, but if you look at her, she's just like, she's a mom. <laughs> I'm like, this is amazing. So like the very first semester, we had to find our brands because I wanted uh, to be a musician, be a producer, audio engineer, which I am. But we had to do this. And I'm like, OK, how do we do this? And she's like, well, part of finding your brand, you got to go back to your childhood and find out what made you who you are. And I was like, You wouldn't think that going to music school is like, you know, uh, psychoanalysis, self-reflection. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of branding with anybody, it's a product that you believe in. And why do you believe in it? What is it about the product? It's that makes extension, sense. It's an extension of you. So I was like, oh, this is going to suck. <laughs> so I was like, all right. I called my mom. I'm like, hey, because I'm a guitarist. I'm like, when did I pick up the guitar? She's like, actually, your dad, when you're about three, he showed you the guitar. And ever since then, you would you would pick up like the broom and stuff and pretend you were playing the guitar. And I'm like, so you're telling me it was him? And she's like, yeah. And I I lost it. You'll hear it in the episode. I told Crystal after class when I was bawling. I'm like, how is this mother child? Like, what? The source of so much life? pain was also the source of so much inspiration. So much love. Like I that guitar saved my life. And again, the episode will tell you why. It was a mind F, if you know what I'm saying. It was just oh, like yeah. a complete, just like, how do you do this? All so the preconceived I, notions I bet you had were kind of disrupted. Yeah. And and I, I had to swallow my pride. And I like I said, I can honestly say I love him for that. But that's all he's getting out of me. You know, and, and introduced me to 70s, 80s rocks or rock and roll and metal and stuff. Um, so part of this brand, I was like, you know, in 2013, I I was not actively suicidal, but because I was in such a dark place, it sounded really good. And I went to a training, flew down here to Dallas from Chicago to the, a nonprofit uh, that ultimately helped me take suicide off the table. And they use a lot of music in that training to help mm -hmm. you. They're like, listen to the words of this music. And it was because somebody chose to share their story through music. It helped me take suicide off the table. Top everything else. So naturally, I'm like, I want to put music to people's stories. This would be job security perfect. And before I could do that, I was a guest on a podcast. And the guy that was running it, I'm like, watching him set it up. I'm like, there's no way it's that easy to do this thing. He's like, actually, it is. I was like, yeah, oh, well, it, awesome. it's it, it's. It's one of those things you can get to 80% like immediately. And then yeah. it's the hard to get from 80 to 100. But the, yeah. to 80%, you're there. 
Well, he, you know, it was all about, cause it was school for audio engineering. I'm like, Oh, it's just signal flow mics. Mm-hmm. This levels gain. I'm like, this is easy, dude. So I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. And in the midst of it, I found my brand because I'm so passionate about the veteran community and my story. And you know, Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, right? Mm-hmm. So he has, oh, a yeah. quote. he has a quote. He says, the best thing about music, he says, that's the best, best thing about music is you could sing a song to 85,000 people and they're all going to sing it back to you for 85,000 different reasons. And I held that's, on to that. That's pretty insightful. Right. And it's Dave freaking Grohl. Oh, uh, he's awesome. He's awesome. And I held on to that. And that was part of my elevator pitch for my brand. And I'm like, but what is my brand? And finally, it was just like, you know, we lose 22 veterans a day to suicide, if not more now because of all yeah. the bullshit, right? But at the time, it's like we're losing 22 a day. Our goal is to get to zero and taps to honor the ones that we've lost and continue to lose. Hence, 2,200 taps. Ah, okay. And if you look at if you look at it, it's all together. There's no space between 2,200 and taps for that reason, because there is no, we're not separating this shit. It's a, it's a combined, you know, team effort to get to zero at this point. Um, plus we don't want to forget. And, and that's really like, I was like, okay, 2,200 taps. See and that, then, that makes so much more sense than I'm like, well, what's happening at 10? Cause we don't play <laughs> taps at 10. You know, I was like, trying to go through like the name as uh, before we talked and I was like, well, you know, taps is not, uh, you know, we do play taps. Uh, is it at 10? I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, they play, uh, they play taps at 2200 to go to bed. Yeah. You know? um, and that was part of it, but it eventually, evolved. and if you hear my episode, I actually say that, but it eventually evolved to the more simple thing that, I think anybody can relate to when you're when you look at it. And it's not just for veterans. I mean, this is civilians. This is a this is a this is a worldwide. This is the pandemic. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, between all of us and all the nonprofits, I'm like, dude. I want to give people a safe place to share their stories because your your story matters and somebody needs to hear it. And that evolved from Dave Girl's quote about, you know, how people can sing it back to you for 85,000 different reasons. And because somebody shared to, excuse me, somebody chose to share their story through music, it helped me take suicide off the table. And like I said, because your story matters and somebody needs to hear it. You know, one of the things that I I thought was so interesting uh, and it resonates is the judgment free zone uh, that that you have sort of as as the banner of what you're doing with 2200 taps. And that is so important is that that judgment free. It's not like, Oh, you did it wrong because everybody does it their own way uh, as their transition from the service, uh, whether they're retired after 20 years, they got out after four or six or whatever their initial enlistment was or their initial service. Yeah, it's all individual. And so there's like, you know, there's there are some wrong ways, I guess, if you got in trouble, went to prison or something. But uh, mm-hmm. that's not the greatest way. But but that's then and you're dealing with it now. And as somebody who did get hurt and medically retired, I know and I, I sort of feel your story about not planning on getting out. That isn't the that was not on the plan. Uh, I've been doing it for many years. Like when I was a young man, I I knew I was not ready for college and 
I was like, no, I'm done with school. I did well in school, but I was like not ready yeah. in my own mind. So that's why I joined. And I was like, oh, and then I get to my very first duty station. And Staff Sergeant Green, I remember very clearly, says, oh, you need to go take college classes. I'm like, dude, I joined the Army not to go to college, okay? And and he said, no, uh, it's going to be a requirement. And when you get out, you you realize and you look back that that camaraderie, that family, that belonging, even if you hate every minute of it, when you get out, you don't have that tribe anymore. And you mentioned that. You mentioned that that lack of belonging that i'm lost and adrift so that sense of purpose and that belonging uh finding your purpose and finding your tribe are the two ways i talk about it yeah is that's the hardest part i think about leaving service mm-hmm. all those fail safes and all the even if you don't know the person but they're in the same service you have a connection and you you know you just sort of trust them they know certain things um and that's really hard. So you had a pretty rough transition. Uh, the VA yeah. wasn't there for you. You're living out in your car. Uh, you got back on your feet. Mm. Yeah, you started playing music again. Mm. Uh, and and as a guitarist, I play guitar. So I I feel oh, nice. you. I, yeah. Yeah. And I, I only started like five years ago because my nice. wife was playing piano and she always wanted to learn. And she knew music when she was younger and sort of just like let it fall by. And so all the kids, we make them take, we have three kids, and we make them all take music lessons. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, dad doesn't play anything. So I convinced them <laughs> that I played the bagpipes. And I can't play them because all the neighbors would complain because they're so loud. That's that's smart, dude. <laughs> and so uh, and eventually smart. they started questioning that. And so I, I said, you know what? I'll play guitar as well. And I have yeah. there's an awesome uh, guitar teacher down the road that my sons had played. And my younger son plays classical guitar and he has an electric guitar, but it's, it's quite amazing to watch. Mm -hmm. And so I started playing and then, you know, I had this crappy, you know, like hundred dollar basic guitar. And I was like, okay, I'm at this point where it's just starting to get frustrating. You know, I can't (laughs) do the things I want to do. So Mm -hmm. I buy a good one. Uh, my instructor, Keith, uh, had a number of them. He plays, has been instructing as a college professor for like 30 years. He has tons of guitars and does all sorts of stuff. So I got a chance to try a bunch. And then I found out that if you have a quality instrument, all of a sudden it gets easy. Like the, the, the pressure that it takes and the, you know, all the things now you're getting calluses on your fingers and stuff, but it makes it easier too. But all of a sudden like, Oh, I can do different things that I want to do that has kind of held back, even though, you know, theoretically you should be able to, it's, you know, a simple instrument, like, you know, just six strings, uh, you know, but that outlet is so important. So you were playing music, you, you do the business, Mm -hmm. you started 2200 taps. Mm -hmm. Where did you go from there? Well, I needed, I needed guests. I was like, I need to start a, I'm going to start a podcast, but I need guests. And I have a lot of near and dear friends, you know, that are, that went through the similar training that I went through and they're willing and ready to be vulnerable, raw, real, unfiltered. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to get a few guests on and we're going to talk about, you know, how suicide affected them. Cause I knew their stories, but it's not, it's not, it's never my place to share somebody's story. That's, that's not 
I don't think anybody's place unless you have their permission ahead of time. You know what I'm saying? So I was, I was able to invite all three guests to the studio and my buddy, Sean, he kicked it off. He's a retired army, did seven tours and um, right out the gate. He just set the tone. He set the freaking tone. I was like, Oh, this is where this is going to go. And then Megan and then Renee, and it was just three different types of stories with very similar, you know, traumas and tragedies and heartache. And the thing is, you know, I, I try to tell people like, I vet my guests. I vet, I mean, I was telling you before the show, I vet nonprofits. I, I, I have to do my homework because I've been burned so many freaking times. And my guests, because we are, we're talking about such heavy stuff, personal stuff, right? That's, it's, it's an honor to get somebody's story, you know? For somebody to feel safe enough to share their story with you, that one that's one hell of an honor. So I better make damn sure that it's a safe environment. And when I talk to my guests, if they're still in their trauma, I don't want them on. Number one, it's not fair to them. Number two, it becomes a he said, she said, persecutor, victim. It, be, it becomes like Jerry, Jerry Springer all over again. <laughs> that's and, a good, yeah, that's, and, a, that's very so very true. It can get nasty very fast. And then... That's not, and that's not the show. That's not my brand. That is not the brand. If I stay true to the brand of what 2200 taps means, I can't go wrong. You know, I've had people say, Hey, can you do a show about politics? I'm like, No. Can you do a show about this? No. If you want that, go find it somewhere else because you're not getting it here. And there's lots of them out there. Yeah. That's why, you know, I do the same thing. I don't talk, I'm very politically active, but Mm -hmm. I don't talk about it here. This is not the place for it, except right. if we're talking like veterans benefits or something, you know, uh, yeah. advocacy for, you know, all veterans. OK, yeah. that's not really politics per se. Yeah. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Mm. Uh, and, and I see that a lot on different shows and things I listen to where they. Yeah. They, you know, try to be a little slanted or introduce it I'm like that mm. just adds. uh Internal angst, and and my goal is not to have angst. It's yeah. to help resolve angst and figure out, you know, ways forward. Yeah, totally. And like part of, you know, part of after interviewing Sean, Megan, and Renee on the first episode, I had another gentleman, David. And then I'm like, you know, I'm not willing to take them where I'm not willing to go. I need to share my story. I want to share my story. So I invited a friend of mine who is one of my trainers that helped me get right, come in and interview me. I was like, oh, this is cool. And I, the, and then it was like seasons. It was like season one. I was taking commercial breaks, but it was like, because I learned it from the other podcast, but then I realized I don't need to take breaks. This is my thing. This is, I can make this what it is, how it is. Let's just go. And they're, they're, I, again, I had more more friends come. More friends, they wanted to come. They they want they learned about the mission. They wanted to put their stories out there. Incredible, a friend of mine, Amy, her podcast. Oh my God! Like this woman, and I have her permission to share. You know, she, her husband blew his brains out in front of her, and she got very. It's very like she, they take us as far as they want to go, as they're willing to take us. And she's very descriptive. What happened? How it happened? what she went through. And that's what we want to capture. What the hell happened? What did it feel like? What, what is that? You know, because a lot of people talk surface level stuff, so that's fine. But I ask questions and naturally they just kind of go there. Mm -hmm. 
but how she was able to overcome that. You know, not to say she got over it because you'll never get over grief. I think it's unfair when you tell people to get over when somebody dies or you see tragedy and traumas. You know, that's just bullshit. Uh, but it's you one of those things it, that goes know? a little less each day, but it never goes away. It's never going to go away, but you can learn how to manage it and take that pain and learn how to like pay it forward to help somebody else. You know, so there's there's so much there, and I and I have energy for that because that was me. I'm like, okay, and then not just me, but other people, friends. So that and was it's much one. more common. I mean, even people who look like they have their shit together, they don't have have a lot of the same issues. And that's one thing that I've learned uh, uh, in this field and in this in this type of world is that people that you think, oh, they had all their shit together, they were no. doing things great. 90% or maybe 80%, I don't know, but a lot of the same issues, maybe not to the same extremes, mm -hmm. but they're having the same issues. They're, mm -hmm. they're, you know, having money issues. They're having finding a job or keeping a job issues about not belonging, mm -hmm. not figuring out like how to, to be because yeah. they're dealing with a lot of heavy things and it's, it's a lot. And there's a lot of people out there and they hear it from people who've gone through it and are past that that time of trauma and yeah. and sort of you know they've moved and and progressed out of it yeah those are the best people to talk to like you were saying because uh if you're in the trauma it's you can't really see it objectively and you don't know the path forward well it and it pains me when people go through horrible in, incidents right and then autom automatically like channel three news is there what did you see? What happened? I'm like, why are you making them relive this? They just saw it five freaking minutes ago. Mm -hmm. Like there's stuff. And when I go to therapy, I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready to share. It's been years. You're going to try to like, it's not fair. And it pisses me off. So I'm like, okay, how can we be delicate with this whole situation? Because you have to be delicate with stories. You know what I'm saying? That's safe keeping. And, um, you know, like we kept evolving and then, I, it was just really heavy for me. I had Amy one day and the next day I had another friend, Marcy, who lost a couple of her, her kids. And it was just heavy on me as a host. And I started spiraling. And I had to go to therapy. I'm like, what the hell? Because I, I have mental health issues. Like I struggle with mental health, mm -hmm. depression, anxiety, all that stuff still. So I'm like, okay, how do we do this? So just trial and error the past three years trying to figure this thing out almost four years. And I've, I, I've interviewed, I have to, I have to make fun episodes. So it's not serious all the time. Sometimes I throw some off the wall, like, what are you talking about? But I do that because I have to laugh. I want, I need to make my listeners laugh because man, if you stick with me, you're just going to be like, dude, this is so depressing. It's this so dark. So it's so, uh, it's too heavy. Like, I, yeah. Like I have, you know, or a really cool guests, you know, mm -hmm. I have a couple of celebrities that came on and that's kind of cool. You oh, know, yeah. I've got, I had Tim Kimsey on who was one of my instructors, but he was an engineer for Vanilla Ice with Ice Ice Baby, Pantera, the Far Beyond Driven album. And I'm like, screw it. If people want to like, let's sprinkle some fun stuff. Oh, yeah. So that's how that started. And then, the you know, COVID hit or excuse me, the pandemic hit. Right. And Tiger King came out 
And I was like, yo, I need to make a show over Tiger King because this is insane. And I, I have two girlfriends that came on and we were just literally bullshitting about the whole thing laughing. So, yes, we have a mission, but man, we got to have fun, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I interviewed my best friend, the one the one that I had a falling out with. We reconnected a year later and we haven't fought since. We, yeah, we, we had to grow apart to come back together and be better. And not to say that we don't disagree. But now we get it, you know. I've had her on. I and she has a band in Chicago. I had her and her guitarist on, and we're just having a fun episode. So you're gonna get a lot of seriousness, but a lot of funs. I have to have I have to laugh, dude, because it's my ass. Um You know, you brought up a really good point about the challenge of hearing all these these mm-hmm. stories and, and the mental weight. It has on you as the host. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's almost like therapists. They have to go through all sorts of training. I know you're not a therapist or life coach or any of those things. You're, you're a veteran who has been through a lot of stuff and you're just out there making a safe space for people to talk. That's all. But it's the same issues that therapists have, uh, you know, psychiatrists and psychologists and social workers and all those people that deal with unspeakable tragedies every day and helping mm-hmm. people through them. But it's the same issues of how do the how do you deal with it and maintain your own mental health because mm-hmm. it's heavy. Uh, things aren't easy no. uh, when you're hearing bad things and and you feel for people. Uh, you know, you're like, oh, I wish I that wasn't happening or how to help them or you know. Man, I I, I take on everybody's feelings. I can walk into a room and tell you who's pissed off right out the gate. Mm-hmm. I, in a room of a hundred people, just because I'm really good at not just reading a person, but feeling it. It's weird, but that was my survival growing up. Um, so with that, we kept growing, and the show kept growing, and we're, we're in like 41 different countries now. It's insane. It's like my pla- hosting platform only gives me a snippet of the analytics. We we are way bigger than that, and I've barely done any marketing and branding to push it out of there. And then my Instagram and word of mouth, and it's like the listeners are making this happen, dude. Like. I can't do this alone. And it's my guests, my listeners, now you guys. And I had to tell my listeners because it's so exhausting sometimes. I, I'm doing one episode a month. Just one for now. Mm-hmm. Now with, with help, I might make it two. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just, I promise you, if you listen to a few of the last episodes, it's very, my guests go there. They bring it. I'm just like, Holy shit, this is really happening. This is the coolest thing ever. Like, how the hell did I score this person to come on? How did this person, why, what? And then amongst all that, yeah. That's a great point about you never really know someone's story till you hear it. Like, Mm -hmm. you you might know broad outlines or there's a reason you invited them to be a guest. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you're like, wow. And, And some people are just great at telling that story. And other times you have to dig it out a little, but the stories are awesome and, and they're either inspiring or, or uh, inspirational or sad, but you realize it's uh that they're able to get through it for a lot of different reasons and usually a lot of different help. Um, so one of the things I was curious and cause I know it for me, but I'm curious for you, what have you learned as you've done all these episodes, what have you like really take with the, the 30 seconds elevator pitch of how you've grown or 
what you've learned from talking and doing 50 plus episodes? What I've learned is I'm, I am, man, way to put me in a spot. I have an elevator pitch, but not for this. Holy crap. Um, honestly, like if I, I'm not afraid to ask somebody if they want to come on on the show. I'm surrounded by so many incredible people, veterans, first responders, civilians. I, I could interview for years with these people and mm-hmm. they're willing to share their stories because they've already shared it. And I'm like, whoa, you know, so I'm just like in this little pool of like all these fish that are just like, it just blows my mind. So what I've learned is like, I have unlimited resources and literally job security because everybody in this world has a story, every single person. And what I've also learned is trauma and tragedies, they're going to look very different, but pain and hurt is very much the same, you know? So if we can stop devaluing our stories because maybe it wasn't as bad as theirs and understand that trauma is trauma and pain, like pain is pain and, and hurt is hurt. We can all get on the same playing field. So why not give somebody a safe place to share that? But I have to be safe. And I've proven to myself and others that we can be a safe platform. And I'm pretty proud of us for that. I'll tell you that. No, that's really awesome. You know, I, I was going to make a coasty joke, uh, you know, a puddle pirate, uh, you know, I didn't realize they were part of the military. No, I'm just kidding. I'm surprised uh, you haven't already. I mean, shit, how long are we It was in? doing my best not to, okay? You know, like, <laughs> it was really hard, uh, you know, to like, oh, uh, well, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you know. Were you Army Kosky. or Air Force? I was Army. And mm. uh, and so, I, you know, I was, I was doing my best not to make a coasty joke. I love the Coast Guard. I, I have many friends that are in the Coast Guard, and. I'll be honest, it is the among the most brave of services. They're the ones who go and the rest of us are like, oh, hell no. Mm-hmm. Out, You know, you see the, the waves and the hurricanes. And I'm like, that does not look fun. <laughs> like, I would I don't I like boats, but not like that. OK, yeah, that makes and, me like super stoked. Like, right. That excites me. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's one of those. Yeah, OK. Uh, they don't go and live in tents and stuff, but they do go out. And, you know, I've interviewed a bunch of Coast uh, Guard folks, which was one of the Coast Guard organizations uh, on the uh, North Carolina beaches where they would patrol during World War II. And we've had a bunch oh, wow. of Coast Coast Guard history. So I, I was trying my best not to make too many jokes. <laughs> but the point I was sort of getting to is that each of the services and, and we're all sort of guilty of it, of having these preconceived notions of, oh, it wasn't that bad. You know, Air Force, oh, they're at LUD. That's where I went to R&R. You know, like, don't mm-hmm. tell me about how hard it was. But how hard it was for them could be totally different. Right. And what they were going through. And it was a different experience, but it doesn't mean it's less or more. Right. It's just different. It is. I'm, I have a lot of friends, um, combat vets, missing legs, missing arms. They've been blown up. I've not been blown up. Nor do I compare myself with people that have been overseas serving in combat. I tell them, I'm like, dude, I can't compare. But what I can tell you is my, sh- my shit happened stateside. I did search and rescue. Like, I had a decent career. Heard a lot on the radio. Didn't have to deal with a whole ton of dead people. But my very last SAR case that I worked. Complete, and that's what I didn't say earlier. That one destroyed me. And it, it I still have my moments but I'm a lot better than I was. Um, you know, so there is, 
there's some PTSD there and there's just some shit there. And I'm like, okay, we're going to, we're gonna have to work through this to go through it, you know? And so. and it is different. And, and it, it's the hard part is to either not one up. Uh, that's the other hard part is we always either try to one up each other, which is a common military <laughs> thing, or you mitigate it down. Like, Oh, mine's not as bad as theirs. And yeah. which is like kind of crazy. Cause it's totally different. Um, you know, search and rescue, you know, dealing with deceased persons or parts of deceased persons or uh, going to an autopsy or any number of things, yeah. it's going to hit you. Uh, it may not be today, may not be tomorrow, but at some point there's going to be something that's that trigger that it's like, wow, I just, you know, the immortality, it's a person thing. And yeah. that's the, that's the story. You know, that's the, everybody's different. They are. And if you guys want to know what that would happen, go listen to episode three of the podcast. Episode three is, is seems to be the three. best one to listen to. Not episode one. That was like, you know, just like getting, <laughs> getting warmed up. Episode, uh, episode three was three. my story. And I think I had COVID when I was getting interviewed, to be honest with you. It just wasn't a thing yet. And the I... title of that one, in case <laughs> folks are interested, it's 2200 taps. Uh, if you go to 2200 taps.com, I believe. Yeah. Um, uh, 2200 taps on Spotify and all the rest. But yeah, soon, probably this week, or probably the time you're listening to this, you'll be able to go to cominghomewell.com, click on podcast, and you will see 2200 taps as part of the, the suite of services that we offer, the suite of a uh, uh, network enterprise uh, excellence. Uh, I'm trying I'm to remember so excited, that Rush man. Limbaugh, what do you call it? Uh, EIB, uh, excellence in broadcasting. Uh, the, I forget the term, but uh, <laughs> you know the, the entire width and breadth of things that we offer. I am so excited to have 2200 taps as part of coming on. Well, how in the world, and this is a great story, I think, because a, it makes me really proud of the things we're doing, but how did you get to know us and, and want to be part of the coming on well family? It was a happy accident. It was one of those happy accidents. I, I recently started going to MVP merging vets and players, uh, their organization, fantastic organization, um, their Dallas chapter works out and does their huddle meeting at the gym that I, I, I go to at the adaptive training foundation that I'm an alumni at and volunteer with. It's a gym for disabled veterans and civilians. It's phenomenal. I got to give them a plug because the adaptive training foundation is who you will never look at physical therapy ever, ever again, the same way. It's just, it's beautiful. Um, but I was there at a workout and they're like, Hey, you guys, we have a clinical director. Her name's, uh, Susie, Susie Landolfi. Here's her number. If you want to call her, what hooked me calling her was the fact that they said she will talk to you at any point and she will talk to any of your family members that you deem family members. It could be your best friend. It could be anybody, as long as you deem them family. And I'm like, okay. So I, I was like, hey, can you know, I, I, this is who I am. I would love to get involved with you. Um, equine therapy was like what really picked me with her, too. because She's got that connection. So she called me one night and I, dude, I thought this is me. I'm like, oh, we're just going to connect. Hey, how are you doing? This is me. Not even five minutes later, she has me in tears. I'm crying. And she's literally given me a therapy session that I wasn't even ready for. I'm like, what? And she's just, we were talking about childhood trauma because that's the big thing I've been working on the past year. Um, oh my God. She's not afraid to curse. 
she will. I'm just like, I love this woman. Susie is very raw and very real. Yeah. She, and she does a lot of things for veterans. Uh, that's just one small slice. She's also on our board. Uh, so she is awesome. And that's the reason we are so in love with Susie, because uh, she is a force of nature for veterans, even though she's not a veteran herself. And you're like, oh, how does she know it so well? Because she's been doing it so much and so well for so long. And she has that passion. So you guys are talking. Uh, they said, hey, just reach out. You're talking to her five minutes and boom, she's touching that that small hidden place in you. Well, cause she told me this. she's like, and I'm, I'll just disclose it. Cause I think it's really cool. And it leads to this. She's like, if you could have one word negatively to describe yourself, what would it be? I'm like that I'm lazy. And I, and I'm like, but, and I was trying to explain it. Cause I'm like, I don't feel lazy. And she's like, let me stop you right there. And we talked through it. And she's like, Pam, that's not laziness. That's depression. That's your depression. And I'm like, and like, I'm tearing up now because I'm like, what, when does this ever fucking stop? Right. And I'm like, Susie, I'm running this podcast. I love it. And I told her what I told you earlier. I'm doing it once a month. I need to keep my mind and my head on straight so that I could be, I could show up the host that my listeners need to be. And I could show up the best version of me that I need to be. And we got to talk and she's like, what do you need? I'm like, man, I just need somebody to take over my marketing. My, my, like I can edit like just mix my audio and I just need somebody to take it from there. Like, that's it. And Susie's like, you ever heard of coming home? Well, <laughs> I'm like, who? And she told me what you guys do and, and the organization and that you guys have all these amazing podcasts. And she's like, they manage mine for me. And that's their whole point is mission is to help like veterans and at no cost, you know, no cost. And then we, we kind of got into the meat of all of it. And she's like, you know, and while we're still in our session, she texted Cindy. Shout out to Cindy. Um, and in our session, I'm like, hi, Cindy. Nice to meet you, like over a text. Next thing I know, I get off my phone call with Susie, and I'm on the phone with Cindy for like an hour and a half, like right after. And this Your entire evening night. is like all of a sudden filled. Yeah. And I'm in Texas. You guys are on the East Coast, so y'all are an hour ahead of me. And it was already late for me. And... Cindy, she just stuck it out. She's a trooper. She's like, hey, I think we could, you know, I, I told her about the, my need, my services. Not so much about taking on the podcast, just the services. She's like, oh, I could help you. You know, this is that. She's like, well, what's your podcast about? Told her all about it. She's like, we don't really have a podcast that highlights the first responders and this and that. Because I, I don't just interview veterans. I've got first responders, civilians. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're willing to share your story, let's go. And she's like, let me, let me see if we can do something with you. Cause I think we we could use you. And I'm like, okay, I definitely need your services. So let's figure out what we can do. And uh, long story short, we talked, we did everything. And she's like, Hey, good news. I'm like, what? She's like, we want to bring you on board. I'm like, dude, that would be sick, you know, to join the club. And I'm just like, I'm honored. Like what was just a simple phone call with Cindy led to y'all like immediately. And the fact that we can reach more people through your platform, provide our resources through ours. It's like a win-win. And I'm super like, you have no idea how stoked I am. It was just like a weight was lifted off of my shoulders. 
because I do everything. I do my editing. I do my mixing. I do my hosting, producing, pushing it out, paying for this, doing that. I do it all because I don't have a team. And that is a, it's like I said, (laughs) the 80% of podcasting is easy to get to. It's Mm -hmm. the editing. It's the, all the things that you don't see Mm -hmm. that it's, it's challenging. And if you're worried about all the backend stuff, you can't focus on the main thing, which Mm -hmm. is talking to people and, and getting interviews and finding the right people and how to do it. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's time and it's effort and it's you know investment in a lot of things. Yeah. So I am personally very excited uh, when Cindy called me and said, hey, I think we have another podcast that might be interested in joining. What do you think? And I'm like, well, let me go check them out and see what they're doing. Uh, you know, who are they? How do, how do we know them? It's, you know, all the all the things that you want to know. Um, I was like, oh, this is perfect. And that's why, you know, like she's talking to you. And I was like, this is great. And having you on and and sort of expanding that opportunity. Um, like you mentioned earlier, you're trying to, you know, research us and like we don't have a lot of money. Okay. We are not the best at fundraising. In fact, of the <laughs> things that we do, fundraising is not in the top 10. Uh, but we get enough to run things. The cool thing is nobody gets paid. It's all a labor yeah. of love. And so when you share resources and, and sort of make things better, it's always better for everybody. So I'm so excited to have you on. Um, Thank you. I know we we talked about a lot of things. We talked to you started four or five years ago, uh, I guess four years now, right? It'll be four years in April. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was three to three yeah. to going on four. Uh, who, what, where, when you're down in Texas. So I, I'm going to ask, what should I have asked you about, but didn't man, I'll tell you what my Instagram page is like, this is going to sound cheesy, but this is me on the spot. This is the first thing I can think of. If you look at my Instagram page, I'm not like other businesses. I'm not like other people. I don't want to fit in a box. What I do on my Instagram page is you're going to be with me. If I'm at the gym, you're at the gym. If I'm struggling, you're going to hear it. If my car breaks down like it just did yesterday or the day before yesterday, you're going to be on that journey with me, like bitching and complaining as to why it broke down and all the frustrations, because what you see is what you get. You know what I'm saying? Very and raw. I, it's who you are. It is. I could be I could put on I like if you can't see me, the listeners, but I have a hat on and, and you know, a shirt and nine times out of ten, I'm I'm in a t-shirt shorts and a hoodie or a hat. I have a hat on all the time. My brand should have been a hat and a coffee mug. Cause that is me. 100% of the time. <laughs> um, but no, man, if you want to follow what we do and the people I'm connected to, I just had this conversation with my buddy Edwin yesterday, who has a fantastic foundation. He's like, how many followers do you got? I'm like, dude, I got like 820. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's it. I'm like, it's quality, baby, not quantity. Because if you yep. look, if you look at my followers, these are big time people. It's not just like, oh, so and so from here. So no, like these are big connections within the veteran community, resources, my friends, you know, people that support the mission. And I am working with a friend of mine that was a guest. I'm not gonna say who. Uh we're talking about maybe going public and doing public speaking events together at some point. That's awesome. Uh, so it's just because we could have easy conversations. 
you know? It, it, you mentioned it earlier, those serendipitous, you know, happenstance uh, interactions with folks, whether online or in person or over the phone, like with yeah. Susie. Those are the ones that so often make such a huge difference, um, which is why I'm glad the pandemic's mostly over, uh, where you can go do things in person nowadays, those yeah. conversations you have. Yeah. Uh, I've been to conferences where literally, 80 to 90% of the value is the conversation I have in the hall with somebody getting coffee as opposed to two days of briefings and discussions. Uh, you know, those sidebar conversations, mm -hmm. those happenstance, uh, somebody's talking about something and you start talk, having that conversation. And, and the same thing with online. Yeah. Um, I've, I've seen tons of things with social media. It's changed. Uh, the other day I was talking to Jenna, uh, Carlton, a millennial veteran. Uh, she's very active on Instagram. She's awesome. Uh, the reason I like her so much is that she is very much like you, just there. You know, yeah. she does live. She's, you know, very connected to the millennial veterans. Um, and, and there's Good. a part of me, you know, because <laughs> I'm older now. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not the spring chicken anymore. Yeah. Um, I just hit 25 years of federal service, including my military time. And I was like, golly, I'm getting old. Good for you. Um, it's awesome. But, you know, I was like, they gave it. It was actually a year late because, uh, you know, somebody sat somewhere and they're like, oh, 25 years. And I'm like, oh, crap. It's actually like 26. Man, I'm getting ancient. <laughs> but the younger veterans, and, and that's the biggest challenge that I was trying to address when we were talking with Jenna, was how do you reach the newer veterans? Because they come in at 18, they get out at 22 or 24, they serve their initial tour. And those are the ones that are having the hardest time getting jobs, mm -hmm. figuring out how to go to college, how to be in college. Um, you know, veterans are awesome at a lot of things, but it takes a time to transition. There's mm -hmm. nobody there saying, hey, he overslept, go knock on his door. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the squad leader or, you know, platoon sergeant or whomever in that uh, equivalent in different services that are looking out for you because no one is right. Uh, maybe your mom, maybe your family, maybe your best friend, but a lot of times they aren't there when you first get out. Mm -hmm. I know I had that challenge. Uh, you know, when I got out, I was like trying to figure out what am I going to do? Cause they, I was medically retired and they don't tell you, you don't get like leave. You just get like orders and like, you got like two weeks. Mm -hmm. I got to find a place to live, got to find a job, because how do you find a job when you don't know when you'll be available? Like sometime in the next six months, I will be available. Can I get a job? Uh, and they're like, oh, OK, no, uh, yeah, we'll call you. They don't call. Let me tell you. Uh, so I went through that and the uh, fortuitous circumstances, people I knew worked at the Pentagon with. They happened to have something available. My wife and I, I both were well-qualified and we moved and we're like, we had a job. We're like, this is amazing. But my wife was eight months pregnant when I was medically retired. So I was like, wow. Oh crap, we're going to have a baby. Right. Yeah. Baby, no job. Damn. Uh, don't have a house, you know, cause you had to move. And we're like, Oh, this is crazy. Now, fortunately it all worked out and you know, yeah. we were able to, she stayed up in D.C. and it all worked out, but it was certainly a stressful time. Yeah, it's not easy. It, it, 
Well, somebody made mention it. It's true. It's like that you, you go to basic and like me, it was eight weeks. You guys, it's longer. It's like they take all these weeks and months and sometimes years to like break you down, turn you into what they want you to be. This robot, no feelings workhorse, right? You go through all your stuff. Hopefully you're not dealing with a lot of stuff, but let's be honest, there's so much trauma and bullshit that you're going to be exposed to that civilians civilians don't even hear about. There's so much stuff that happens on the inside mm-hmm. that, oh, let's this class A mishap, let's sweep this under the rug. Let's blame the guys that died instead of taking ownership. And it, it, it's just, and it happens. I had a, my old shipmate on one of the episodes who watched his friend get killed in front of him. That could have been easily avoided. They didn't have to launch for this SAR case. There was no reason for it. So I'm getting am- amped up. My point is, is that you go through all the stuff and then it's like, all right, bye. See, here's four days of taps. Here's four right. days to teach you like how to write a resume, how to dress for an interview, how to do this, Here are your VA benefits. And they just like, it's like drinking water from a fire hose. And then they expect you to remember this and then bye. And they don't. They're just checking the box. They're checking the box because they have to. But then you're still in that mindset. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't tell me, like, a combat veteran that goes overseas, if if that comes back stateside, you can't tell me if I put him in a, in, a, in an environment that reminds him of that, they're not going to go batshit crazy. You can't tell me that. Because it happens. Mm-hmm. The guys I know, they can't even drive on the damn highway sometimes. Because they can't, you can't, you got to stay. You know what I'm saying? Stuff I oh, don't yeah. understand, but they get it. Me, my trauma is on the water. I'm fine until I'm on a boat. If I see certain things that remind me of my incident, I cry. Like, I just get really sad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this needs to stop. And I'm in DFW. I'm landlocked. So I'm kind of screwed. <laughs> I'm like, until I go back to the ocean, I'm going to really react. But my point is, we got to get better at transitioning people out we have to and And, and it's the entire width and breadth of things because it's not just like oh a job okay that i bet you had a bunch of jobs uh you're you're talking about getting fired and and bouncing around (laughs) because when you're dealing with trauma you may not be the best employee right let's just you know uh let's be honest Uh, and that that happens i got fired for workplace violence yeah and and the things in the language and the dark humor that would be totally normal in a military context would be like shock and awe in other places. Uh, you know, that's uh, sort of why I like where I work, because everybody is military and we have the same sort of dark humor. And, uh, you know, the, the certain things that you can say and we, we have some pure civilians uh, and you see their eyes get all big and. Uh, as we're talking about some events that have occurred and they're like, Oh my God, what am I have gotten mm-hmm. into? And it's fine. And in that environment, it's well, but yeah. if you were at, you know, uh, you know, IBM or some big corporate place, people would mm-hmm. be like, Oh, calling the mental health uh, response team to come check on you. Cause like the uh, paint would literally be melting off the walls in their offices. Exactly. <laughs> and like, so that's, that's, yeah, getting the right environment is sometimes the best thing. Yeah. I am so excited to have 2200 Taps is coming on, coming home well and, and seeing the new things and also uh, making sure that you're uh, getting the message out and not stressing about everything else. Uh, 
guys, go listen to the show uh, until it goes on cominghomewell.com, which should be later this week, I understand. Uh, you know, it always takes a little bit of adjusting. You don't want to break things on websites. Uh, but go check out 2200 Taps. It's on Spotify. It's on Amazon. It's on all those things. Uh, yeah. But in the meanwhile, that's where you go check it out. Pam, thank you so much for joining me on Coming Home Well, the, the podcast, but also uh, joining us at Coming Home Well, the organization. Man, thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm stoked because you guys have a lot of the same followers that I have that are big time people. And I'm like, this is going to be a surprise to a lot of people. I've been teasing people. I just haven't told anybody. Fantastic. Um, and just food for thought. If you need to help, um, if you need any help with audio, make shit sound good. I'm your girl. Yeah. I was like thinking audio. as, as you were talking, I'm like, Hey, yeah, uh, we got an actual pro from Dover, you know, those uh, people <laughs> who knows what they're actually doing. Uh, yeah, I pride myself. Um, I don't I wouldn't say I know everything, but I definitely, man, if your shit sounds horrible, like, ugh, I can't, I can't even, it's like nails to a chalkboard times like 10. I can't do it. So you know, I try my best. You know? We've had instances where like the audio was so messed up because of like bad mics or whatever. And yeah. like we tried to fix it and spent a lot of time and effort trying to like salvage the audio or it was way too loud. You know, the bias was, you know, you think that you could fix these things, but you can't. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just too bad. You know, it's just not fixable. Uh, but I learned a lot of cool tools to try to do it and didn't work out that time. But now I have them in the in the uh, toolbox. I'll teach you some uh, more if you want. Yeah. <laughs> Pam, yeah, again, thank you so much me. for coming and coming home well. And guys, go check out 2200 Taps. You'll be able to find it on cominghomewell.com. But in the meanwhile, just go search for it wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, yeah. Add it to your Audible. That's how I listen to a lot of podcasts these days. Uh, I just add it to my Audible list, That's and awesome, I'm yeah. in between books and everything else uh, on the on the commute every day. It's the best way to listen to things. Pam, thanks so much for joining uh, me on Coming Home Well. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate. I'm looking forward to all the madness that we're about to take on. So let's do it. That's Wait. awesome. Talk to you soon. You got it. Thanks for joining us this week on Coming Home Well with Dr. Tyler Pieron. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. Follow us on Instagram at comminghomewell underscore BTS or on Twitter at comminghomewell. Thanks again. And until all are home and all are well, this is Coming Home Well. Coming home well.